Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. With you all in the name of Jesus. We are very happy to be here this morning because Jesus is in this place. We know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God is good all the time, all the time. God is Good. Sarah Andrew Monitor, Ethan Andrew, Ethan Andrew. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Yes, yes. Now, this is the reality that we have lived with more than 17 years as the only way to communicate with the Malagasy people is through the Malagasy language. Whether we are speaking in English, French, or even in our broken Malagasy abilities with more than 18 different dialects. Everything we say and do has to be translated for the benefit of those who we are living and working with. And more importantly, we understand that we are representative of the kingdom of God living among the kingdom of darkness. And we are called to translate the transforming power of the love of God to those who need to be set free and changed by the work of Jesus Christ in their lives. As mentioned Amen. in the video, we are Jay and Carrie Roster for your missionaries to the island nation of Madagascar. And just for your information, this church has been faithfully supporting us for the entire 20 years that we've been missionaries, and we appreciate the partnership, the relationship, the friendship. Amen. God is good. God bless you. Now, I will say our relationship with being Pastor Kevin and I go a few more years than 20 years, but we will leave that alone for today because uh, we're not that old, but it, sometimes I feel it. So, just to, But, you know, when we first arrived in Madagascar back in 2004, it was with the purpose of doing church planting and evangelism among the, the 16 million people that lived on the island at that time. But during our years in Madagascar, we've watched as that population has grown to over 27 million people, and our responsibilities have grown as well. What are we doing, of course, now? Well, we're still doing many of the things we originally went to Madagascar to do, but as you saw in the video, we're doing many things that we never thought or imagined God would give us a privilege to partner with. Yes, but we are also very excited to share with you this morning about the newest area, a ministry God has opened the door for us to pursue. For many years, our team in Madagascar, we have seen the need to have an English-speaking church in the capital city of Antananarivo. We have seen that there is an emerging population of people moving into the capital city that are not being effectively reached by the gospel. These people, they are young, they are educated, they are professionals who are positioned to be the future leaders of this nation. So as part of their desire to prepare to be people of influence on the national and on the global market, they are learning and becoming fluent in English. So as a result, they are drawn to where English is being spoken, 
as well as being used. So this opens a huge opportunity for us to start an English-speaking church that is unashamedly Pentecostal, but will reach out to this demographic of society. Now, this might be the young person who's still in university, who's still studying for their future, or it might even be that young professional who's simply looking for a place, a community, where they can be with others who just like themselves, who happen to speak the English language. But regardless of their circumstances, this would be a church specifically designed to focus on touching the emerging leaders and professionals among the Malagasy people. But at the same time, we want this to be a model church. You know, for the last almost 18 years, we've worked with 600 churches across the island, and we've shared with them the principles that we believe makes for a healthy church. It's one thing to tell somebody what they should be doing, but it's a much better thing to model it in a way that they can see it for themselves. But how will we do that, you're asking? By launching a new urban tribes church. Across the continent of Africa, we have developed a network of missionaries and partners who have already launched churches, just like what we are talking about. Jay and I, we will be co-pastoring this new church together, as well as developing a team that will help us launch and grow this new endeavor. We call it an urban tribes church, though, because what it is is we have 18 tribes in Madagascar. And when these young people leave their tribes, they leave the bush, they leave the primitive life they'd known before, they come to the capital city, they get an education, they learn a new language, they learn a new culture, and now they're no longer comfortable going back to that primitive lifestyle they knew before. And so they've created what we call the urban tribe culture that's right there in the capital city. And these are the people we're going to be focusing on starting and reaching with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this new church. But as Carrie said, we're also building a team of both Malagasy people, but also people right here in America. So as we're traveling across the United States and here in Ohio, we're sharing the, the need with people that maybe God has placed a call upon your life and you say, I would be willing and I have a desire to serve God in, in the area of Africa. And maybe you'd pray about giving one or two years of your life or even a lifetime of service to help Help us build this church. But just so you understand, this will not be an American church in Madagascar. This will be a part of the Madagascar Assemblies of God that happens to be led by two American missionaries. Maybe you are asking, how can you be a part? Now, of course, cover this new vision with your prayers for God to give us wisdom, direction, and favor as this moves forward. And then second, Continue to invest in our ministry through monthly supporting our work in Madagascar. But also prayerfully consider investing specifically into this Urban Tribes Church through special financial gifts that will allow us to have resources needed to launch this church in a manner that will have the greatest impact on society. And then third, pray that God will help us to raise a team both here in America as well as in Madagascar, because we want God's best for the, from those who will partner with us to fulfill this ministry and this vision for the Urban Tribes Church in Madagascar for the glory of God. And once again, we want to thank you for your continued prayers for us and your continued support, because we're seeing great things what God is doing, and we know that it's not only for us that we are reaching Madagascar, but also you. And thank you, and God bless you. Amen. Amen. You know, 20 years ago, we began this journey of giving our lives to become missionaries to the island nation of Madagascar. 
You know, at the time we started this journey, though, there were many people who questioned why we would be willing to consider moving halfway around the world to go to such an isolated, primitive island to serve God in such a faraway place. What was so important that it was necessary to uproot our lives and move our family to a place that was foreign in almost every aspect to the life that we knew and understood? I mean, you think about it, it was a different country, different culture, different languages, different foods, different in almost every way. I mean, there's things like security issues, to lack of clean water, to power cuts, to extreme political instability, to sickness and disease, and the list could go on and on. But for Carrie and I, it was simply the reality that as a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the descriptions found in the Word of God is that of a soldier. It's actually found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting with verse 3, and this was Paul writing to Timothy, a young pastor, and here's what he says to him. He says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And for Carrie and I, from a young age, we understood that we were called to be soldiers in the spiritual warfare of fighting for the souls of those who are lost without Jesus Christ. But let's be real honest this morning. Isn't that the call of every single follower of Jesus Christ? Let me tell you, if we are called, each and every one of us, within the hearing of my voice, to obey the orders of our heavenly commander, regardless of what those orders look like or what destination it even might take us to. Because ultimately, it isn't about us. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our pleasure. It's not even about our welfare. But it's about obedience to our heavenly commander and following his orders. And in this case, it was simply realizing that God had called us to go to the island of Madagascar to fight for the lives of men and women, boys and girls, in the time that God had given us. But we also knew we were called to fight new battles that hadn't been fought before, as well as to train and equip the army that's already there. It's called the church, so that they could be more effective in their own spiritual warfare of fighting against the darkness that dominates that island even today. You see, for Carrie and I, We knew we were called to live and serve on that island, and for us, there is no other choice. If we're not there, sorry, if we're not there in Madagascar, we realize that there are men and women, boys and girls, countless Malagasy's that will face the destruction of tribal witchcraft and pagan beliefs that will take them to hell if we're not there. And more importantly, we, we need to be there. I'm sorry. I'm just, sometimes I just get torn up for the loss of the Malagasy's. We understand this morning our warfare that we're fighting in is not the kind of warfare that we're seeing in the world around us today. It's not a war of destruction, is it? We're not using weapons that tear down and pull, and pull people away. No, the scripture tells us very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. And of course, we realize those weapons that we're using as children of God are God's word itself and the person and uh, and the presence of the Holy Spirit as he wants to live within us and operate through our lives. But let me tell you, any leader in any army will tell you that the greatest weapon at their disposal, it's not some tool. 
It's not some piece of armament. It's not some explosive device. No, the greatest weapon in any army is that boots-on-the-ground soldier who's willing to lay down his or her life to fight for the beliefs that they hold dear. And I want you to understand this morning that each and every one of you within the hearing of my voice is called to be that soldier, that weapon in the hand of God. You are called to be a vessel that God wants to use to bring people into spiritual freedom in Christ Jesus. But not just to bring them and to set them free, but then to keep them and to train them and to equip them so that they can become the next soldiers in this eternal battle. But this morning you might ask yourself, what is the strategy we've been using in Madagascar to help train that army so they can be effective in reaching their nation for Jesus Christ? And we're primarily doing three things, and I really want to challenge you. When you leave here this morning, go by our display table, pick up one of our prayer cards. Not only so you can pray for us, which we need desperately. We're dead in the water without God's people praying. But also because the three things I'm going to share with you are also listed on the prayer card. And I believe they're the same principles that God wants to use right here in North Ridgeville to help you impact your community, your world, for Jesus Christ. So what are we doing? Three things. Number one, we are grouping together in community. Number two, we are growing together in discipleship. And number three, we are going together to reach the lost. Let me break it down for you. First of all, we are grouping together in community. Another way to say it simply, we are being together in community. My friends, never underestimate the power of community. The reality is that each and every one of us, if we want to reach our full potential in Christ Jesus, need to be with others who are just like ourselves. Those who have the same values, the same goals, those who are on the same journey, those who will stand shoulder to shoulder with us as we face life's challenges and hardships. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament is actually speaking about this idea of community, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 9. And Solomon, the wise teacher of Israel, describes community in a beautiful way. Listen to how he describes it. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? And as I said in the first service, these two African missionaries who hate the Ohio cold have been personally applying the scripture in a very personal way. Let me tell you, the colder it gets, the closer I get to that lady. Hallelujah. Sorry, back to the message. But it says a person standing alone can be attacked and even defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And a three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And of course, there's that New Testament scripture that goes right along with this in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, where it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. My friends, there is something very powerful in walking together with our brothers and sisters in Christ in community believing in one another, encouraging one another, correcting one another when it's needed, holding each other accountable, not letting us give up on ourselves when we get discouraged, but instead loving and supporting each other, especially during the difficult times. Let me just say it very clearly and with zero apology. You cannot be a successful Christian without being a part of a local body of believers. God never called us to do this Christian faith alone. 
No, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're called into a community, an army of fellow soldiers just like ourselves. We're all on that same journey together. Now for us in Madagascar, that's been over 17 years of living and doing life with the churches there. We've traveled to churches all across that island. We spent countless hours with the Malagasy people in relationship with them. We've had them learn from us, and we've learned so much from them. You know, we would have never been able to accomplish most of the things we've been able to accomplish or even hope to accomplish in the future without loving and living and walking together with the church in Madagascar. Please understand, they're not a project we're called to go do. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They are our, our friends. They are our co-workers in the work of God. Let me give you one example this morning to help you understand this a little better. Over 17 years ago, we began building relationships with Pastors Laurent and Pastors Robertine, a husband and wife who pastor a church in the poorest section of the capital city of Antananarivo in a neighborhood known as the Nosy Bay. Now, you have to understand when I say the poorest section of the capital city, Madagascar is already the fourth poorest country in the world. And so when we talk about the poorest section of that city, we're talking dirt poor. But they have successfully built a church that every weekend sees in excess of over 5,000 people who worship together with them. But you have to understand, it started over 25 years ago in a little wooden shack of a building with dirt floors that had an open sewer line that ran right through the middle of the church. If you wanted to come to the altar for prayer at their church, you had to step over open sewage just to get to the altar. But during their years of ministry, 17 years of that with us, we have watched as they have planted literally dozens of other churches in that area. We've seen them send many young leaders off to Bible school to be trained for the ministry, as well as being teachers right alongside of us, helping us train the next generation of pastors. We have seen them impact countless thousands of lives for God's kingdom. But we've also watched them go through hardships and difficulties as we walk together. You know, probably one of the most significant has been the health issues of Pastor Laurent. You see, many years ago, Pastor Laurent was falsely accused of a crime that he did not commit. And without any investigation, without any trial, he was thrown directly into prison. And while in prison, he began to develop some very serious health issues as well as going blind in one of his eyes. And when he got out of prison, we've watched him, even as he continued on the ministry, many times going in and out of the hospital, many times at the very point of death. But as we group together in community, as we believe together as a community of faith, we prayed and watched God resurrect him and bring him back time after time after time. But then it was just a few years ago that he lost the sight in his other eye and he went completely blind. And almost anyone else that would have probably ended their ministry right there, that would have been the end of their story. But not even blindness has held back this family. As they continue to press on with the help of their church and as they group together in community, they're still doing the work of the ministry. They're still planting new churches. They're still leading what God wants to accomplish in their world. And this one family is just one example of the community that we have a privilege to be a part of. You see, as we group together in community, we are stronger and more effective than we could ever be alone. You see, that's why we can go back to Madagascar, because we believe in the community of faith. People have asked us why we think we have the right to go back to Madagascar when America is in such turmoil. We go back because we believe in the church of Jesus Christ in America, and we believe as you group together in community, as you demonstrate the love and the person of Jesus Christ, you are still the greatest hope for this nation. 
group together, church. You need one another. Secondly, the second strategy that we're using in Madagascar to help make that army effective is we are growing together in discipleship. You see, we have the deep conviction that if you want to be effective in reaching wide to reach the millions of people in Madagascar who are still lost without Jesus Christ. Understand, we have 35,000 villages that I, can know, I know of today that have yet to hear the name of Jesus spoken one time. If we're going to go wide to reach those people, we must first go deep in our spiritual walk with Christ. You see, we go deep so we can go wide. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me explain it this way. Just to, for a moment with you, I want you to imagine a fruit-bearing tree in nature. But not just any particular tree, but a tree that consistently, year after year, is continuing to grow larger, stretching out its branches wider and higher as it continues to grow. Consistently producing fruit that is sweeter and larger and more abundant as it grows. How many realize that what you see with your eyes, that which is visible above ground, is only a small part of the actual growth of that tree? In order for that tree to grow stronger and larger, it needs a root structure that's growing at the same rate. And that root structure is what supports that tree, that gives it stability, gives it the strength it needs to sustain it through everything it will face in its lifetime. But it's also that root structure that nourishes that tree, that gives it the life-giving resources it needs to be healthy and strong and fruitful. And so while that root structure is not visible to the naked eye, it is vitally critical to the health, the strength, and the fruitfulness of that tree. You could say it this way, the root determines the fruit. And for us as followers of Jesus Christ, that root structure, that growth process is us growing and maturing to become faithful and intentional disciples. You know, we all know that scripture in Matthew 28 and verse 19, where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. But really, what is a disciple? A disciple is somebody who, first of all, is growing in their faith and their knowledge of Jesus and allowing transformation and, and maturity to take place. But let's be real honest here. If you're only growing in knowledge, you are not a disciple. You're only a learner. You don't become a disciple, and this is what's critical to do that process, until you begin to live out those faiths and you live out those truths that you've learned in every aspect of your life. You let God's word transform your personal life, your marriage, your family, how you do life, how you do business, transforming society and ultimately culture around you. Because here's the truth. We don't want to simply produce Christians who are here today and gone tomorrow. That only produce fruit maybe one time and then never produce it again. You know, in our yard in Madagascar, and for those who've been on our teams, they've been there before. The team that's going this next June, you can stop by the house if there's some bananas there. We have, some, we have banana trees that produce some of the biggest and sweetest bananas you will ever eat in your lifetime. Let me tell you, Chiquita has nothing on Madagascar. But did you know that a, a banana tree will only produce one bundle of bananas in its lifetime? And after that, you might as well cut the tree down and throw it away. It will never produce again. Likewise, many times while it is producing that bundle of bananas, we have to prop the tree up to keep it from falling over, or even tie it off to something else, or else it will collapse under the weight of the bananas before they're even ripe for picking. Why? Because the roots are too small and too shallow. And likewise, Christians with no deep root system in Christ, 
through systematic discipleship. That, I'm not talking about what you do on Sunday morning when you come to this church. I'm talking what you do Monday through Saturday in your own personal Bible reading, in your prayer, in your devotion, in your worship. I had some guys that actually asked between services, how do you develop the devotional life? And we got to have a great conversation of what it means to be systematic and intentional in my own personal growth. But if you're not doing systematic, intentional discipleship, growing and maturing in your walk with God, and then using what you received, you will fail and you will fall just like my banana trees do every year. But here's the good news. When we apply that, when we really let God work in our hearts and lives through that discipleship process, then we can have that guarantee of success that God will, will sustain us and hold us just like the root structure in a deeply rooted tree does. But it really comes down to our choice. Let me illustrate what I mean through a very quick story. There's two different churches in Madagascar that asked me to work with them some years ago. Both of them were in the same type of situation. Both of them had less than 20 people in attendance, as well as the pastor were just ready to give up, walk away, and find something else to do with their life. They were desperate. One was in the capital city. One was out in the bush. So I told them I, I agreed. I would come. I would help them do open-air evangelism. Anybody knows me knows I love to stand on the dusty, dirty streets in little villages and preach to whoever will come and listen to see God show up, to see deliverances, healings, and miracles happen right on the streets. But I told him I would only come and do the evangelism if I could first do training every day in personal evangelism and especially in discipleship. So every day before we go on the streets, we spend as much as six to eight hours with that little group of people just pouring into their lives of what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Unfortunately, the results between the two churches were very different. The first church in the capital city, I got done with the days of training, the days of evangelism, and I looked at the pastor and I said, what are you going to do with what you've just learned? He kind of shrugged his shoulder, kind of tilted his head to the side and kind of gave me one of those same old, same old kind of answers. And I can tell you, unfortunately, that within six months, that church had closed. That pastor had left the ministry and we still don't have a church in that neighborhood today. But the other church was a very different story. You see, when we got done with the same training, that pastor couldn't run up to me fast enough and said, missionary, we're so excited. We can't wait to apply what we've learned starting tomorrow morning. And we watched as that church went from 20 people to within six months to 50 people to within a year over 100 people to within two years over 200 people. And it's still growing today. And they planted numerous other churches and surrounding villages. And the only difference between the two churches was who was willing to be intentional in their own discipleship process. My friends, we must grow deep if we want to grow wide. And then finally, the third strategy we're using in Madagascar to help the church be effective in their mission is we are going together to reach the lost. You see, church, the, the, the church's mission must always lead us to reaching those who are still in bondage to sin, those who are in bondage to Satan, those who are in bondage to a fallen world. We are called to be soldiers who are continually on a rescue mission to set free those who are without Jesus Christ, that those who are in bondage to the enemy and those who are on their way to hell. We need to understand, church, that it doesn't matter if I'm talking about the streets of Madagascar or right here in North Ridge of Ohio. We need to realize that every person we come in contact are only one moment from eternity. And without Jesus Christ, they are lost. They are destined to eternal suffering. And they are on their way to hell as we speak. 
but with Jesus in their lives. As we share the message of hope with them, their destiny can become one of walking in God's favor and blessings. First as his child right here on earth, and then eternity in his presence. But here's what we need to understand, and this is so critical. The going can only happen as an outgrowth of the grouping and the growing. You see, when we are grouping or being together in community, and then we are growing together in discipleship, the natural outgrowth, the natural fruit will be going together to reach the lost. And I've asked Carrie to come up and illustrate this this morning through an amazing story of what God has been able to accomplish through her and the women's ministry that she works with. You see, for many years, Carrie and the National Women's Ministry have been leading the way in this area in Madagascar. They demonstrate and they live out faithfully, grouping together community and growing in discipleship. They have consistent relationship and support for one another. But they also have a systematic approach to discipleship that Carrie called trickle-down discipleship. It's producing amazing fruit. Here's how it works. As the national leaders teach and disciple the regional leaders and then the local leaders, then those women leaders go back into their local church and they disciple the women in their church with the purpose that those women will then go out of the church, into the streets, to the unchurched, to the homeless, to the prostitutes, and they'll reach them and disciple them for Jesus Christ as well. So what Carrie's going to share is an outgrowth of that process. I was asked to go to the women's ministries church to preach after we had our trickle discipleship. And at the end, I gave an altar call for those that want to come forward to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I noticed a woman in the audience um, got out of her seat very quickly and started running towards the front. And so when she began to repeat the sinner's prayer, um, I can smell alcohol very strong from her breath because she stood about um, arm length from me. And so when she repeated the sinner's prayer, I noticed that she was saying it very excitedly with a huge smile on her face. And um, at that moment, even though she may, not, she may be drunk and, and may not understand it physically, but her spirit was very alive and knew what she was saying. Because um, I can tell at that moment there's transformation that taken place when she repeated the sinner's prayer. And so um, after two weeks later, we had our women's ministry evangelism outreach around that area. And um, before we started, the women's ministry pulled me aside and said, Missionary Carrie, I want to tell you something. I'm like, yeah. She said, you remember that lady in my church that received Jesus into her life? I said, yeah, I remember who she is. And um, she said, you know, she went to be with Jesus within a couple of days. Well, we had our um, women's um, ministry evangelism outreach from 7 o'clock that morning to about 5 that evening with free medical outreach, free concert. They love to have um, uh, concerts. And then we had the evangelism service where we preached the gospel. And then at the end, I gave an altar call. And hardly anybody came forward. I thought, wow, this is very strange that hardly anybody came forward. Normally, they would be very responsive to the gospel, very responsive to the message because they are tired of living a religious life and they are tired of just um, living and, and, and not going forward with who they are as a person and they wanted more. 
And so um, as I began, as I was continued to give an, an altar call, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Carrie, share that lady's testimony. And so I began to share her testimony. And I said, you know, our life is but a vapor. We don't know what's going to happen to us. We don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I want to tell you this morning, that lady, she didn't know what's going to happen to her. But because she had committed her life to God, even though she did, uh, didn't know uh, may not realize she was doing it in, uh, uh, in physically, but she is in heaven because her spirit knew what she was doing. And she is whole. She is in the presence of Jesus, rejoicing and dancing before him. She is no longer known as a woman of no worth and of no value. She is no longer just known as a drunk because she is in heaven rejoicing with Jesus. And you can have that same hope. You can have that same future. You can have that same relationship with Jesus. And those of you that are watching on media, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to have him, today is a day for you to receive him. It's a day, it's a day of salvation for you. And those of you that are here, that is your first time, and you don't know Jesus, or if you're backslidden, today is your day as well, too. So afterwards, talk to your pastor, or talk to your, your deacons, or talk to your friends, or whoever that you know here, and they will walk you through that salvation uh, message, and you can have that eternal life with Jesus. And so as I began to share that story about that lady, then children came forward, and then teenagers came forward, and men came and of course, a woman came forward to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That the video you saw earlier, that was the evangelism that we did. We had hundreds and hundreds of people came forward. You know, that's what it's all about is, is we in Madagascar and here in your community to always find opportunity to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, just as we are sent to go, you are sent to go wherever you are at. And thank you again for your continued prayers and your support for Madagascar. And God bless you. Amen. As she said, over hundreds of people came to know Jesus that day as she shared that testimony. But it would have never happened if they hadn't been first grouping together in community and growing together in discipleship to create the environment to be able to go together to reach the lost. And we do appreciate your, 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 your faithful giving, your prayers, your support. But I don't want you to leave this room today and thinking, oh, that's great for Madagascar. Because I believe God wants to do the same thing right here in your own community. I pray as you leave this place, you'll leave, look at those same three strategies and ask yourself, are you fulfilling them in your own life, your own family, in your, this church, in this community? Are you grouping together in community? Now, I didn't ask you if you came and filled a seat on Sunday morning. What are you doing the rest of the week to be open and honest and vulnerable and caring? To realize that there's people right here in your own community of faith that might be going through life struggles. Maybe they're facing addictions. Maybe they're facing failure. And you can be, come alongside and say, listen, your failures are going to become my struggles with you. Your addictions are going to become something I fight with you so that your victories become my victories in Jesus' name. We need to group together in community more now than we ever have, church. Secondly, are you growing together in discipleship? Now, notice I didn't ask you if you came to church and listened to the sermon and took notes even. Those are great, and we need it. But what are you doing again Monday through Saturday? In your own prayers, in your own devotion time, 
in your own worship? What are you doing to apply the truths of God to transform your own personal life? You know, at the end of this year, I finished reading my Bible through for the 33rd time. I'm already well into my 34th time. And I don't tell you that so you can come up here and pat me on the back and tell me I'm a good missionary. I read through my Bible every year for one reason and one reason only. Because it's the only way I've ever been able to figure out to know the author of that book as my best friend. Are you growing in discipleship? And then finally, are you going together to reach the lost? Because the truth is, I don't care where we're at. It looks different in Madagascar, I understand. But right here in your own community, at your school, at your job, in your neighborhood, among your own family, there's a lost and dying world. They might be wearing all the outward trappings of success, but on the inside they're crying out for someone to give them a reason just to go on another day, to give them a message of hope. And you have that hope living within you. It's the person of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're willing to say in any one of those three areas, yeah, I, I, I admit I, I have room for growth in one of those areas, and I want you to pray for me. I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet across this room. May, uh, yeah, I need to group better in community. Yes, I need to grow more in discipleship. Yes, I need to be more intentional in going to, to reach the lost. Let, let me tell you, I'm standing with you because I'm a work in progress. I haven't achieved. Part of the reason I, I'm so torn up over the lost is because I realize all the opportunities in my over 40 years of being a believer in Jesus Christ. And I think of the times that I've missed the opportunities. You know, somebody asked me a while back, how do you get over the fact that every day thousands of people are passing into eternity without a knowledge of Jesus Christ? How do you get over that fact? And my answer is you don't get over it. That's what drives us to go back to Madagascar. Because if we don't go back, there are individuals who will enter into eternity without Jesus Christ. And I can't let that happen as long as I have strength in this body and a voice to speak. So I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands towards heaven right now. And let's just pray together. Father in heaven, we lift our hands towards you because we know where our hope comes from. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the one who began a good work in us, and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for each individual within the hearing of my voice that as they're reaching out to you right now, that you would do a divine work of your spirit in them right now, that there would be a grace deposit that happens, that they would be more aware of the need to group together in community and to be the body of Christ one to another. It says that we bear one of those burdens, and that's how we truly fulfill the law of Christ. And that God will help us to grow more intentionally in discipleship. I love what John said. He, John said, I must decrease that he must increase. God, that's what we need to do in our own life. We want people to see Jesus in us, not our frailties and our, 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 our struggles. So help transform us so that we can be a model, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And then God, finally, help us to go intentionally to reach the lost and dying world. We have the message of hope. We have this joy unspeakable. We have this indescribable gift living on the inside of us. So help us to find the words and the boldness to proclaim the love of Jesus Christ. All of us are believers today because somebody shared the message with us. Help us to share that message with them. And God, I do thank you for all that has been accomplished in the well over 30 years, close to 30 years that this church has been in existence. 
But God, I declare by faith as I declared in the first service, I believe with every ounce of my being that the best days are before them. That God, you have a destiny and a plan. So I pray you anoint every believer in this church for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.